Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio. We're talking baseball kind of whenever I'm your host, Christianta, over there to my actual left on the great uh, audio recording device that we have that we uh, were just frustrated with for the past <laughs> half hour or so. But to my actual left is Daniel Kern. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing very well. It's the best time of the year. One of my favorite annual shows that we do. It's, you know, it's the first, it's the playoff preview show. Like, it's not regular season anymore. That's over. Um... Aaron Judge had 62 home runs. That was pretty cool. Uh, yes, he he did do that. Um, kind of got buried under the radar. Just kidding. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was you know it was a big thing. I was you know ever there were a lot of people frustrated like you know uh, you know I'm watching TCU versus versus <laughs> uh, you know Oklahoma State and I got Aaron Judge on the double box and it's like. Yes, I would that find that annoying if I wasn't that interested. But I think it's a good sign of like, oh, the home run chase, you know, uh, or whatever home run chase yeah. that was actually means something to the sports world. It does, but like part of me felt like it was a little forced. Yeah, I get that. You know, like there's like Also, did, it's like not also the... did they did they do a double box or did it just completely cut away? Because like I've seen like like fan edits of like the kick six like the Auburn game where it just cuts away and it's like Jordan Lyles throwing a ball to Aaron Judge and you just miss the whole touchdown. Like, did it completely cut it aw- cut away or was it like a box, like a double box? I'm pretty sure it was a double box. I hope so because that's other other than that, that's such a stupid way of doing it. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Exactly. Like, you know, I I understand how that would be frustrating, and I I do understand the force thing because also, you know, it. It's it's he's seventh all time on the home run list. <laughs> yeah, I, if we're you know, to be fair, I know, I think, I think what pe- when people said like, oh, he's going for the AL record, they meant you know, I think they were kind of like, oh, that he's going for the clean record though. Roger Maris Jr. definitely meant that. Oh my God, yeah, talk about. That was the one thing that I hated about the idea of Aaron Judge getting to sixty two. Like you know, it's fun to appreciate history as it happens, but. It was like, man, the discourse over this is going to be so exhausting because now we're going to have to listen to Aaron Judge is the clean champion. Oh, yeah, 100%. Which is annoying. Yeah. One thing I just want to say, like, if anything, you know, obviously watching Aaron Judge get to 62 was cool. You know, I got to watch it live, uh, and it was a very special thing to watch. But I'm not going to lie, it made me appreciate Barry Bonds 73 a lot more. Like... Judge would have needed like another month to get to seventy three. Exactly. Yeah. That's eleven home runs off. Yeah. Yeah. No. no <laughs> yeah. No doubt. Uh. No doubt. No doubt about it. And like. And this is you know this is a season where, Aaron Judge is getting eleven point four F four. I mean this is one of the greatest seasons of all time. But yeah, he would have needed another month to get to Bonds, uh, in the in the home run column. That's absolutely. Um. Yeah, but you know it. It was good. I, I'm, 
I would say I'm 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 happy he did it just because, especially with like he had like 15 games to hit those two, mm-hmm. and if he didn't if he didn't get that second one, it it just I would have felt very bad for him to be honest. Especially going into the postseason, like right, you know that's all that's going to be asked. It's like, oh, has the pressure of not you know of not getting there like has that affected your postseason and your your mindset? Like he was going to get bombarded with questions about that and now he doesn't have to like he can go into the postseason just on a clean slate you know like I think we're kind of past the point of him getting contract questions because those were probably all asked in the beginning of the season maybe a little bit you know throughout the home run chase but like he can just go in and do his thing because obviously this is probably the most important postseason that Aaron Judge has ever played in in his career you know he's made it uh I guess every full season of his career since 2017 and every time the Yankees have come up short. But, you know, this is the one. There's a lot of expectations placed on them. They can do they can rewrite a lot of history, if, especially if they beat the Astros in the ALCS. Um, and I think it'd be really special to see for them. Yeah, because because um, also also with Judge now, like, you know, back in 2017, you know, they you know they they beat the twins in the wild card series they beat the they wild beat cleveland yeah. or yeah wild card game they beat cleveland in the uh, ALDS and you know went to 7 with the astros but like and judge was the best guy on that team but it wasn't the team leader he wasn't expected to be that mm-hmm. this year he's he's the guy with the veteran experience it's his team yes 100% he's um like i don't even know is he really... the longest ten, tenured yankee right now <sighs> He might be. He, like, it's very like, possible. I'm trying to think. Like Brett Gardner's gone, uh, Cece's gone. Yeah, Tanaka's gone. Right. Yeah, he Garrett Cole like just joined, be. and he's the other veteran. I'm trying to think. Leader. There's got to be someone else, right? I f- I feel like there's some reliever, you know, but you know, it's not like David Robertson's there or anything. Yeah, no, he might be the longest tenured Yankee. But yeah, like you know, Stanton didn't join till till the after. Year after that, yeah. Uh, DJ Lemayhew uh, didn't didn't get to New York until 2019. Yeah, uh, I guess Severino, but Severino and yeah, Judge. Yeah, I, I guess Severino. But Judge has been around the clubhouse much more than Luis Severino because of all the injuries he's he's had to endure. Uh, Chapman, Chapman's the longest tenure. Er, yeah. Or er, yeah, he. Yeah, yeah, because he joined before the 25th. It was either 2015 or 16 season. Yeah, no, it was 16 because then he got traded for Gleyber Torres. Yeah, okay. So and then Chapman, he signed again in 2017. Yeah, okay. So Chapman and Severino, one of I mean, I mean Chapman's probably not even on the playoff roster. Probably not. Yeah. I don't know why. Like I don't know why the Yankees would. They have other lefty relievers, and also they've gone to that well too many times in the postseason. Right, and and you know it's just not the same. Our oldest Chapman that they signed in in 2017. He's you know no, understandably so. He's 30. What four now? He's 34. I don't know if Savant was broken it up, but I saw the other week he was throwing like 95 mile an hour fastballs, like four seam, and I was just like, man, he's so cooked. Yeah, he, you know, yeah, like, and that's that's kind of yeah, that's what made him dangerous, and mm-hmm. um, and you know, just just looking at the number at the plain numbers, uh. Nothing too analytical to it. I mean, he has six point nine w- walks per nine this year, uh, a four five seven FIP, four four six ERA. C- 
could just be an off year. Who knows with, with some injuries. But I don't know. He was pretty bad at the end of last year, too. Yeah. It yeah. wouldn't surprise me. Honestly, like, he might just get, like, DFA'd over the offseason. Um, like, I, I think, think he's a free agent. Is he? Uh, after this year. Oh, uh, okay. Because I remember he, they restructured his contract after 2019 to make yeah. it a three. We should give him three more check years. That. Oh, wait. I'm not on his page. <laughs> <sighs> <sighs> Okay. I was gonna say, why are you scrolling up? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's a free agent after twenty twenty two. Okay, yeah. So he, he's probably pitched his last game as a Yankee by now. Yeah, very possibly. I mean, that they have so many other options in the back end of the bullpen. Not really necessary to keep Chapman around. Yeah, and I mean, all you've ever known with Chapman in the postseason is he ends their season right, like he twenty nineteen and twenty twenty. He gave up the the game winning yeah. home run in the in the decisive game of the series. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Um it's funny, like Chapman has given up three postseason homers in his career and they've all been like monumental homers. Because <laughs> yeah. there was the Rajai Davis one in two thousand sixteen, you know, that was in World like, Series game seven. All ones you would see in postseason like postseason promo videos. Yeah, or even like just like those ten minute compilations on YouTube. Yeah. It's like top MLB postseason highlights of the last like decade. All three are all just Chapman home runs. Like it's, there's the Mike Brasso one. There's the Altuve one. Biggest MLB crowd reactions. Mike Brasso. <laughs> 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 the fake crowd in San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> they were going crazy. Yeah, dude, Tampa Bay was going nuts in it, San Diego. I mean, it was a home game. It was game five. <laughs> Bottom of the eighth. Bottom of the eighth. <laughs> one one game. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, it's the moments you live for. Yeah. But um, but yeah, you know the Yankees. The Yankees are not playing this weekend, but we got eight teams playing this weekend. It's the first time that we have the outside of twenty twenty wild card weekend is going to be so dope. It's going to be. It's. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle myself. Yeah, it's, like twenty twenty almost felt overwhelming. Like there was an eight game Wednesday. Yeah, I believe, which was cool, but also like. It didn't help that it was a Wednesday, and I was I had a lot of work to do that day. Exactly uh, at school. I remember you had like you were trying out for the Springfield baseball yeah. team, and like you had to miss half the day. Yeah, and I, I, I like texted you like I kept texting you throughout like the two hour period that you were gone. I was like, dude, Luis Robert just hit like a four hundred eighty <laughs> foot homer. Oh my god, Liam Hendricks just had an amazing save. <laughs> yeah, like the two hours apart. It's like, hey, check me. I I just hit a ball out of the infield in batting practice yeah. <laughs> on, on Archie Allen field. Yep. It was, what a, what a fun time. Um, you yeah, yeah. four game Friday and Saturday to start the playoffs is like, honestly, it should be like this from now on. Like it probably won't because obviously like the reason that the postseason starts Friday is because of the lockout. You know, the season yeah. didn't end on Sunday like it normally mm-hmm. does. But a four game Friday and Saturday to start the playoffs should be an every year thing. Yeah, I you know it did feel weird ending the regular season on a Wednesday oh, it this felt, year. Oh, yeah, it did feel very weird. However, like I wouldn't mind a four day break. If as you, crazy as it sounds, but it, also like the teams with buys might not like that. It it did feel weird, but yeah, I I I mean, I, like it would just be much better for. Just for just fans to ha to open this open the postseason on the weekend. Yep. And especially like when it's four games in a row like this. Obviously, when it was just a wild card game, it's fine to just throw it on a Tuesday and a Wednesday and just have that at night. But I mean, first games at twelve p.m. Uh, yeah. 
here. Um, well, we're going to be in class. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm going to be taking notes on my laptop. Yeah. You know, yeah, if yeah. You know what I mean? I mean, our <laughs> professor, Amy, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I might be watching the game in your class, but I'll try to pay attention to I promise. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is Cause funny. It's what raise guardians to start. It's to start tomorrow. Um, Ray's guard. Yeah. It's yeah. McClanahan Beaver. Um, but yeah, it is funny. Yeah, the the one, the the one our, one of our con- only consistent listeners is going to be teaching a class of ours at twelve p.m. <laughs> right when the playoffs start. <laughs> um, but you know, I'll do I'll do my best to I'll do I'll do my best to uh, pay the attention of Com three hundred one yeah s- sport media and culture. Um, so yeah. Uh, do we want to get into uh into these series? Yeah, I kind of do want to. I think that'd be fun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that would be a good. That would be that'd a good. Be, that would be for a good. Us. I love that for us yeah, talking I, about yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing better. Yeah. Uh. So yeah, I I order in our in our little prep sheet here. I ordered it. I I do appreciate the prep sheet. I'll never forget. By the way, three years ago. When the playoffs started, like, you know, I came into ARR knowing, like, like we had barely spoken before the first time we did a yeah. podcast together. We just knew that we both liked baseball. And I was like, okay, this kid probably doesn't know that I'm, like, hardcore. So I was like, whatever. Like, I'm glad to just have a baseball podcast, even if, like, the knowledge is one-sided. And you came in with a prep sheet of, like, Max Serger's September ERA. I was like, oh, my God, this is going to work out so well. Yeah, 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 I... I yeah, I don't really wear the, I don't, I don't think I wore the baseball, the baseball, uh, whatever savantism on my sleeve as much as much early on. I don't know, it just. <laughs> oh, I remember you sat behind me in uh, our intro to com class, and you were like, "Oh yeah, I saw you like on fan graphs during class." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember. I was like, "Yeah, this guy, this guy's into baseball stats, no <laughs> doubt about it." <laughs> I'm going on fan graphs just to read the articles. I have no idea what WRC plus is. But yeah, this is yeah. I, as I was doing this, I was like, "Man, what a what a good reminder of of our first episode." Because, yep. yeah, every we were going into the wild card series is is yeah. Every games. time we pr- every time we preview, the um, yeah, every time we preview the playoffs, it's like around the anniversary of when the podcast started. So it's always always a good refresher. Um, but yeah, the Guardians and Rays are starting. Uh, their their first game is at twelve p.m. on Friday. Uh, you got Shane Bieber. For the Guardians against Shane McClanahan, and what do we got Saturday? I, I don't. Th- I don't think uh, Cleveland. It's Glasnow versus. It's weird because Cleveland, as of on MLB's app, Cleveland's announced a game three starter, but not a game two starter. Interesting. Um, the Rays have announced Tyler Glasnow for game two. My guess, and I, my guess w- would be Tristan McKenzie for the Guardians in game two, and then. Uh, the Rays have not announced the game three starter. My get, and then the Guardians have announced Cal Quantrill. Uh, I'm assuming it would probably be Drew Rasmussen. Um. Yeah. 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 So let's just say it's it's McClanahan versus Bieber, Glasnow versus McKenzie, and then Rasmussen versus Quantrill. Um. Yeah. So information for this series, Guardians won the season series four to two. They outscored the Rays twenty-two to eighteen, so it wasn't really lopsided. Uh, and those series happened in late July and late September, so you know, yeah. not something where it's like Rays uh, were just in Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, 
yeah, very yeah. The this series kind of just happened exactly. Uh, the Guardians finished the season twenty four and six. They had the best record in baseball by three games in that thirty game span. Um, however, it, it was a easier schedule. Twenty seven of those thirty games were against non playoff teams, and the only three games that were against playoff teams were against the Rays. Uh, Rays, meanwhile, are finished the opposite way. They finished eight and eighteen, worst record in the AL in that span. However, twenty of those twenty six games were against uh, playoff teams, so they just they faced very stiff competition. Um, but you know the records are what they are. You know over the last month, yeah. um, and then uh, if you want to look at you know because the Guardians are playing all three games at home. If you want to look at those records, Guardians are 46 and 35 at home, which is identical to their road record. Rays are 35 and 46 on the road, and that is the worst road record among playoff teams by five games. That's tough. What do you take away? What are, what are you looking at with this series? You know, this is interesting because I think the big takeaway from the playoffs the last couple of years is that home runs really matter. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, uh, I mean, Sarah Lang's former you know ARR alum had a tweet about, I think it was last year, teams that out homer their opponents in the playoffs were 25 and 2. Yeah. Which is, you know, it says it says a lot about what it takes to win in the postseason. Mm-hmm. But neither of these teams really have that. Like the Rays, right. you know, I mean the Rays were very not healthy this year. True. And their ISO dipped to like 130 when it was like 165 last year. Yeah. Um obviously that's the difference between a 100 win team and a what 88 win team or something like that. 80, 86 86 win team. Yeah. Um. Yeah, the Rays had a power outage this year. The Guardians don't really do that. You know, I don't think there's an intention to have power in that lineup. You know, yeah. you look up and down, you have like, uh, you know, Stephen Kwan, very, very good player. One of my proudest m- moments of this year, picking him as my Guardians player to watch. Very much not a power hitter. Same goes for Miles Straw. Uh, at times, same can go for Andres Jimenez although he is one of the more powerful bats in that lineup. You know, Ahmed Rosario, not exactly known for that. Yeah. Although the power was there for a little bit this season. Mm-hmm. But, you know, this series, you know, it's, it's, I think it's pretty even, which is, which is exciting. Yeah. It, yeah. It does, it does seem even. Um, it is weird how these teams are trending very, very differently heading into the season. But if you just look at the teams on paper and what they've done, yeah, it seems pretty even. I mean, Guardians definitely, uh, they definitely got um, an advantage, you know, playing in the AL Central. Rays, you know, the 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 team. Here's what you got to know about the AL Central and AL East. The team that was in third for the AL Central had the exact same record as the last place AL AL East team. Yeah, seventy eight t- and eighty four. Yeah, the Twins and Guardians both, or Twins and Red Sox both went seventy eight and eighty four. Yeah. Um, but. Uh, you know, Guardians have home field advantage, which I think that's kind of an underrated postseason atmosphere. Yes. They've, you know, I just remember like the 2016 ALDS, like David Price was shook. Rick had, Porcello was shook. He gave up yeah. three home runs in one inning and almost a fourth. Yeah. Mike Napoli hit like a 500 foot foul ball yeah. after that. Um, also, one thing that I think should be considered is playoff experience. True. Uh, you know, the Rays have obviously been to the playoffs in what, four straight seasons now. 2019 to 22. Um, You know, Randy has obviously been a postseason legend for a couple years now. Even though he did get eliminated in the first round last year, he 
did shine in the few games that he did play. Wander Franco looked very good in the playoffs last year. Mm-hmm. And I do think that postseason experience is something that matters, and it's not really something that a lot of the Guardians have. You know, I'd say Jose True. Ramirez has it. And I don't even I don't even want to count twenty twenty as postseason experience. Like if for a team like two games. For teams that got eliminated in the first round, like I'm willing to understand the Rays twenty twenty postseason experience, right. but not the Guardians. Like they're two different stories. Yeah, for sure. Um and then you know, there's a good storyline also with like Terry Francona's face and one of his former players. Yep, yeah. Also, it's uh, I think MLB.com had this story today, but it was like the youngest team and one of the oldest managers, right? Which yeah. is such a cool dynamic. Yeah, very cool dynamic. Um, In the Guardians, obviously. Yeah. This we, is this is a tough series. I'm not gonna lie. Tough series to predict. No, no doubt about it. Um, We've talked about the Guardians' ability to play defense and run the bases. It's their top five in both, yeah, uh, unquestionably, um, which is uh, <clears throat> which is interesting. Yeah, it's much different than how most teams get into the playoffs. They get in with you know power and and uh, you know like getting strikeout, having good FIPS, you know, yeah. on the pitching side. But yeah, um, so I don't know if. If I were to, you know, if we're predict, we're, we're predicting series, obviously, yeah. um, and I guess you sort of have to look at pitching matchups um, with this, and I think I will say I think I think I'll go with the Guardians in three here. Okay, I I'm gonna take the Guardians in two. Ah, yeah. yeah, I really like their ability to prevent homers more than I like the Rays' ability to do so. Um, like Shane Bieber and Tristan McKenzie have both been excellent fit pitchers. I got to watch tr- uh, Shane Bieber's season kind of all the way through because I owned him in my F four league, in which I finished fifth. Um, so I really paid attention to every start of his, and he was excellent at preventing homers. Uh, Tristan McKenzie has been one of the best fit pitchers in the second half of the season. I think yeah. he was like top five in F war for like a month long period. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that bullpen too, you know, guys like Emmanuel Classe, James Karinchak, and the time that he's been back uh, and has been better. Um, Trevor Stefan, Sam Henches. I think that this team is going to keep the Rays in the park. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna find their ways to win. You know they have power bats that line up with Jose Ramirez, with Andres Jimenez at times. Yeah. Uh, and I think they're gonna find a way. Yeah. It, how I see it going is I think with Bieber and McClanahan, two kind of different trending pitchers. Bieber's been very good. McClanahan has kind of fell off in his own way in the second half, and uh, I think I think the Guardians are gonna end up winning Game One. They're gonna have that energy. Uh, I think game two, you know, Glass now will be a factor. I think Cash is also good in it, at managing and elimination games, um, so I think that'll work out. And that is true. Um, and I don't know. It, I just don't see the Rays going. Part part of it, part of that prediction is I just don't see the Rays going down in in mm-hmm. two. But you know, I am picking the Guardians yeah. overall, so it wouldn't. I mean, surprise like me. the Rays bullpen doesn't seem as Rays bullpenny this year. That's a that's a true statement. You know, like, that was what carried their team in 2020. You know, the reason I believed in them, like, I had them, you know, going to the World Series in July, and I continued to have that prediction throughout the season. And the reason for that was because their bullpen was so lights out uh, from all angles. Their bullpen this year ranked 14th in F-War at uh, 3.6. Dodgers led at 8.6. 
Wow. They give up 1.9 home runs per nine, which is not good by their own standards. Yeah. And uh, you know, like the Jason Adam breakout was interesting. Um, Pete Fairbanks and Brooks Raley have been two of the most underrated relievers in all of baseball this year. But as a whole unit, it just doesn't feel like we're in the same era as, you know, the stable. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, we've we've also talked about this is they just run through so many guys and so many guys get injured. And mm-hmm. I guess they just haven't been able to r- reproduce the same level of talent. And, you know, that just kind of happens when you have like four goes four guys go down with TJ. This has got to be a record. Uh, Pete Fairbanks had 1.2 F4 in 24 innings pitch this year. Whoa. That's crazy. He had a .86 FIP. Yeah. That's like, that's lower than that's, Edwin Diaz. That was a little, yeah, Edwin Diaz had a .9. Yeah. <laughs> that is insane. Obviously, it's a lighter workload, so. By the way, some of these names are definitely not real. Like, Phoenix Sanders is not a real person. Yeah. He did not throw 14 and two-thirds for a 3.46 FIP no, this year. No, no. That's um, an NPC. Easton McGee. Actually, I think the Red Sox just claimed him off right waivers. Oh, yeah, I heard about true. that. Um, Andrew Kittredge is obviously hurt. That's unfortunate. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of these guys are fake, sadly. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, they just don't exist. Mm-hmm. Um, and the next game on Friday will be at 2 p.m. in St. Louis under the arch uh, with the three-seeded Cardinals going against the six-seeded Phillies. Um, for information about the seri- about the series, Phillies won the season series 4-3. to They outscored the Cardinals 22-20. to Definitely a very Definitely very close matchups there, and both series happened in the first half of July, um, before the before the Cardinals really went on a hot stretch. So maybe that's something to factor there. Um, Cardinals uh, in their final sixty games finished thirty nine and twenty one. That was the fifth re- fifth best record in baseball. The Phillies finished the season seven and thirteen. Uh, that is tied for sixth worst record in baseball. Cardinals were 53 and 28 at home, which is pretty spectacular. And the Phillies were a mediocre 40 and 41 on the road. Uh, what are you looking at with Cardinals Phillies? I mean, the, the obvious storyline is it's the, it's the 2011 rematch. You know, that's yeah. the last time the Phillies were in the playoffs. And that was also the Phillies are definitely looking for a lot of revenge there. Not that anyone on this current team was there for it, but, uh, you know, the Phillies were, that was like arguably the best team that they had put together of that era. And the Cardinals, as a huge underdog, took them out of the first round and then ended up winning the World Series. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, un- unfortunately, Adam Wainwright was hurt not that year. Hurt, he was hurt that year, but Pujols and uh, Molina were there. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, and uh, I just, you know, Bryson Stott. Pujols was in his second to last season with the Cardinals. Bryson Stott, at, at 12 years old, was yeah. just... He was devastated. Located in Mechanicsburg, Pennsylvania, was just <laughs> freaking out. He was just free, freaking out at the at the Phillies. He couldn't believe they got Roy Oswald and couldn't do it. One of the one of the greatest starting rotations ever, and they couldn't get yeah, past the Yeah, it was what? Oswald, Halliday, Lee, and Hamels. Hamels. And then Vance Worley. Yeah, <laughs> Vance Worley. Who was really good that year. <laughs> he was good that year. It's also funny that's just how he's remembered. He was the other guy. Yeah. It's like uh, Steve Avery. Yes. Like, he was just known as being the other guy. <laughs> yeah. Like, he was he was very good in his own right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he had, like, 
some like shutout performance in <laughs> one of those big playoff games in '95. I had a stat about Ian Anderson back in like the 2020 playoffs where he was like the youngest Braves pitcher to have this crazy playoff game. The other one was Steve Avery. Yeah, it was like it was like only games in baseball history too. Yeah, and it was like it w- didn't even work for Braves history because Steve Avery had to do something in like 1991 or something. Yeah. What? Yeah. What a, I don't. What a I character. don't remember what it was. I'm gonna find it. What a character he was. Um, yeah. I think hmm, this. Yeah, the storylines with this uh, Cardinals have been very hot offensively. Um, better, best Cardinals team offensively. Okay, I would say yeah. in a pretty long time. Real quick, I'm sorry. Uh, MLB pitchers since 1903 to have at least five shutout innings and in, with at least eight strikeouts in both of their first two career playoff starts. Steve Avery and Ian Anderson. Yeah. That, that's what we were looking at. That's wild. Um, but yeah, the car the Cardinals have a 122 team weighted runs created plus since the start of August. That's second in baseball. Um, and yeah, Paul Goldschmidt. I mean, I guess front runner for MVP. Nolan Arenado also front runner for MVP. Yeah, also front runner for MVP. I think did he lead the NLNF or was it Machado? I, I think know. it was. Arnado, because Arnado had seven point three, and I believe Goldschmidt had seven point one. Yeah, both both seven win seasons there. No, it was Machado. He had seven point four. That the NL MVP race is going to be so close. Like there's there's what five players within point six of each other between Machado, Arnado, Goldschmidt, Freeman, Lindor. Yeah, I just know they're going to go with Goldschmidt though. Yeah, because he hit three seventeen. Well, also like. If you if you get F if you accumulate wins above replacement with offense, you're always going to be credited. Yeah, much he more. does have the highest weighted runs created plus of the group by a wide margin. Yeah, um, and yeah, I you know I I don't know how I feel about that. We'll get that. We'll get to that yeah, in November. We'll yeah, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Yeah, and then you know they've they've also had some like I mean well also Albert Pujols mind the 700 home run thing i mean yeah. he's been he's been red hot yeah whether whether or not he hit 700 or not he's been red hot uh lars newbar uh, he's he was he's tommy been a surprise edmund. tommy edmund um obviously both you know defensively on the bases at the bat kind of a triple threat yeah there, there's there's a lot of threats in that lineup uh, with St. Louis. Yeah, the the Phillies have announced uh, it's going to be Wheeler Nola Suarez mm-hmm. uh, as the three. The Cardinals have only announced Quintana game one and Miles Michaelis game two. My guess would be Montgomery game three, uh, if it gets there. Yeah, yeah. I'm. <clears throat> I think both both bullpens have some question marks but the Phillies definitely have more question marks in their bullpen they definitely do the Phillies have more question marks in general but they I feel like the Phillies have a higher ceiling and a lower floor I I agree 100%. like that that sounds like a weird statement but like at the Phillies at their best I think have World Series aspirations like I think they have the talent to beat just about anyone mm-hmm. but at their floor they have potential to be just one of the biggest embarrassments on a baseball field <laughs> it's i mean we've seen it we've seen it yeah we've seen both sides of it uh just when yeah. when they're just streaking and it's like oh my god wheeler just threw a 10 strikeout complete yeah. game shutout yep. and harper just hit two home runs and then you know there's like oh they just committed four errors <laughs> in one in, play in, yeah 
you know, that's Phillies baseball. That's yeah. how it's been the past few years. It's so boomer bust, um, but it's in the most fun way possible. <laughs> Speaking of that, so I mentioned the Phillies are 7-13 and 13 in their last 20 games. In that span, they have a 4.82 ERA, but a 3.84 FIP, so like a full run difference. Um, and... Uh, in that in that span, that's the fourth worst ERA in baseball. Only the thirteenth worst FIP. They have the ninth worst expected WOBA against, which uses the Statcast data. Um, and you know, worth noting, we've mentioned the Phillies' defense before. Sixth worst de- defensive run save this year, and second worst outs above average this year. Cardinals are pretty much opposite. They have the fourth best fourth best mm-hmm. defensive run saved and outs above average. So. That's it's just gonna be it's gonna be a funny series. Ultimately, I think probably I think the Phillies are either gonna beat the Cardinals or they're gonna beat themselves. That's a that's like a good point. I don't see a I don't see a scenario, or I guess I could see a scenario, but I don't see it likely that the Cardinals just flat out outplay the Phillies like in a fundamental game. Like yeah. both teams play well, and the Cardinals just happen to come out on top. Right. Yeah. Just happen to get those clutch hits. Exactly. There's gonna be. Yeah. It could happen, but I I think I see it more in a way where either the Phillies beat the Cardinals or they beat themselves. Yeah, that's a that's a good point there. Um, you also mentioned Jose <clears throat> Jose Quintana's going game one. Mm-hmm. He was my uh, most recent. How about that? Uh, as a reminder, in his last five starts, he has a point eight nine ERA. He has a one six seven FIP. 25% strikeout rate, 3% walk rate, and also an 83.8 mile per hour average exit velocity against, which is about five miles per hour below average. Very significant. Um, and then in terms of the other St. Louis starter, there's Miles Michaelis. And it's funny because you can really take someone's trend and put it in whatever narrative you want. Because if you look at Miles Michaelis's last 14 starts you could say he's struggling but if you look at his last three starts he's doing great yeah <laughs> he has a 439 era in his last 14 starts but he only allowed two earned runs in 15 innings in his last uh three starts that's not two three starts um so you know over his past few starts he's looked pretty good so maybe that's why this st louis is throwing him out there um and then aaron nola a note i had on him is is babip it's it's even like his overall BABIP against this year was two eighty nine, which was about average. Mm-hmm. But it's it's when there's runners in scoring position. I don't know what it is. He's had the same he's had the same thing two years in a row. Is it like a shift thing? It could it could let very me, well let me be. Check. Hang on, I'm gonna do some research. But uh, Aaron Nola um, has a five forty three OPS against with the bases empty, and that's with a two seventy BABIP against. Uh, Aaron Nola, uh, with runners in scoring position, has an 852 OPS against, which is like 150 points above average is the OPS. And uh, he allows a 351 BABIP um, with runners in scoring position, which, you know, that that implies very bad luck for Aaron Nola. There's just a lot of balls in play that are just dropping in. Yeah. Um, but, I'm, I'm doing some research currently. Yeah. Yeah, that's what that's what we do here. And listen, maybe maybe this narrative that I'm about to build is completely wrong, and I'll tell you if it is. Yeah. Um, but who knows? Yeah, but you know, the the Phillies defense has been all has, right. So has built a bad reputation. Real quick, when when there's when there's uh when there are no runners on, the Phillies shifted on seventy one point six percent of all pitches this year. 
Um, or wait, no, I think I did it wrong. Hold on, that doesn't seem right. Yeah. Okay, I mixed that up. All right, disregard that. I, I did the wrong uh, total pitch parameter. Oh. I, I made it like so every shift, like what percent of shifts had no runners on. Yeah. I meant savant, to do. Savant, can, savant search can be There's tricky. so many ways to mess it up. There there are. There are many ways. And like, it'll get the best to you no matter how long you've done it. It was like, oh. His... Sometimes. That was a 71.6 doesn't sound right. Yeah. Um. It's like, oh, his. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. His so barrel, his barrel rate was 123%. No way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, okay, actual stat. The Phillies shifted on 34.6% of pitches that were thrown with no runners on. But with runners on... Uh, or is it it's running runners in scoring position, right? Uh, yeah. Okay, so with runners in scoring position, that number went from 34.6% to... Uh, 9.7%. Yeah. So it might just be a. Well, it looks like they're not shifting. So th- there's a more standard defense, and he's probably right. balls are just fine in the hole. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. That but also looks like it's one of the lowest rates in all of baseball. Uh, it's the third lowest behind the A's and Rockies, or in front of the A's and Rockies. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh. So the Phillies shift the third least amount with runners in scoring position, and that probably cost Aaron Nola this year. Yeah, because Aaron. I, and he had the same problem last year, so mm-hmm. maybe it's just uh, maybe, yeah, maybe it just doesn't doesn't work for him. I think he's a free agent after twenty twenty three. So interesting. <laughs> I wonder if they extend him. They probably should. They probably should. Um, but yeah, should we get into predictions for Cardinals Phillies? Let's do it. Um, I'll I'll say I'll say uh, Cardinals in three. Okay, which game do you have the Phillies taking? Uh, I have I'll have them take two because Michaelis I okay. don't know he I don't interesting I don't feel interesting too confident with Michaelis I have but I mean game three if if I'm the Phillies I want to take it in two because game three is you know uh, Suarez hasn't been the best hey, Suarez hasn't been bad I mean like I think if he hasn't been his last year's self but also that was such a fluke like he's not that good yeah no <laughs> one's that good he had like a one sixty RA. Um, one one three six. We have some very different opinions here because I'm going Phillies in three, and I have the Cardinals taking game two. Hmm. I have them taking the Nola game. Right. Like yeah. I have, I have them getting like I can see the Cardinals being a team that takes advantage of the high BABIP against Nola. You know, like they have so many guys that can just you know paper cut you to death. Mm-hmm. Um, and that seems to be what happens to Nola. You know, I could see like nine hits in five innings with like four earned runs. Yeah. Yeah, and like six strikeouts, no walks. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> no home runs. No home runs. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he had a one thirty Suarez had a one thirty six ERA in twenty twenty one with a hundred six innings pitch. That's not supposed to happen. Oh, and yeah, he, he has downgraded this year, but he's still a solid option. Uh I, I just remember when I saw his ERA's ERA was in the fours, but that it's was three six five. That was earlier in the year. Yeah. So maybe I'm um, How did he end the year? Uh he Two nine five ERA in his last fourteen starts, um, in a three four, four five five in September though. Yeah, so you against know. the Giants, Nationals, Braves, Braves, Cubs, Astros. So I mean, th- three of those against really good playoff teams. Yeah, I'll will stick with my answer. Uh, okay, but I mean the Phillies, they could, 
they could really do anything and not surprise me. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> it's they're they're I mean they they really fit the wild card name because they are a wild card. Um, all right, so the four p.m. game on Friday is the Blue Jays one. Mariners. This is going to be the one that I try to tune into the most. I do have some plans tomorrow, a couple of things I have to get done, uh, but I will try to be seated as much as I can for the Jays and the Mariners. Yeah, the four-seeded Blue Jays are going to be hosting the five-seeded uh, Seattle Mariners. Uh, the Mariners won the season series 5-2. to two. That included a four-game sweep back when the Mariners were red hot. Mm-hmm. Um, the Mariners outscored the Blue Jays 28-21 to in the season series. And those series happened in mid-May, which is when the Blue Jays won the series, and early July, which is when the, uh, the Mariners swept them in four games. Um, the trends are Blue Jays finished the season 24-12, and which in that 36-game span was the third-best record third best record in baseball Mariners meanwhile finished the season 11 and 11 but when you go back you know the Mariners started the year 29 and 39 ever since then they have a 61 and 33 record which is fourth best in baseball and you know in the middle of that they added Luis Castillo um which is who's you know going game one it's going to be Manoa uh Gosman or no, Mano- Manoa, uh, Manoa Castillo, Castillo game one. Okay, I believe it's uh, the Mariners announced it as Castillo, right, Gilbert. Yep. Presumably with Kirby coming out of the bullpen for one of those. Right, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah, it, it will definitely be interesting to see how starters come out of, come out of the bullpen for these series. Um, the Blue Jays are 47-34 and 34 at home. Mariners are 44-37 and 37 on the road. So I don't think either are really a factor. What are you looking at? coming into this series i mean i'm looking just to have fun <laughs> and like the mariners are obviously you know i've had a soft spot for them for a while yep. really ever since we started this show and i've always just been waiting for the day that i finally get to see them in the playoffs mm-hmm. which feels very disingenuous to say as a non-mariners fan right but i mean like i'll have my edgar jersey on tomorrow um yeah i did however pick the blue jays to win the world series at the beginning of the year that's true. It was either win or go. It was Blue Jays Giants. I think you, it will not be. I that. think you picked them to win. I picked them to go, but to lose to the Dodgers. Right. So I'm very conflicted here. Uh, the Blue Jays, you know, they have been relatively inconsistent throughout the season, especially on offense. You know, we all know what their offense has the potential to do. Yep. It's just not a guarantee that they're going to do it. Yeah, that's true. Like Vlad had a bit of a down year. I feel it's weird saying down year, but just compared by his 2021 standards, oh, yeah. it felt like there still was a little more to be desired, especially with the batted ball statistics. He kind of went back to his old habits with the ground balls. Yep. Uh, Bo Bichette was kind of mid for most of the year, but then he was amazing in like August and September. Yeah. Um, Springer's been up and down. Springer's been up and down. Also was hurt for a little bit, I believe. Yep. But uh, it's going to be a fun series, and I hope this one goes three. Yeah, and speaking of that offense, they you know they're on the upswing right now. Since the start of September, the Blue Jays have a 129 team weighted runs created plus. That's the best in baseball since the start of September. Um, so you know they're on the upswing right now. The Mariners' offense isn't you know it's not it's not what's necessarily winning them games. It's more their starting pitching in bullpen. Yes, uh, is 
what's you know winning them the ball games. Um, but going to the uh, Blue Jays starters, Alec Manoa in his last eight starts has a flat one ERA, uh, two eight four FIP to go with that in, in fifty four innings pitched. Uh, and then with batted ball data, he has a 3.6% barrel rate against him and a 27.3% sweet sweet spot percentage, which is about five percentage points below average. And um, it was like top five in a sample that I saw out of 100 in that span. Mm-hmm. Um, Kevin Gosman and Alec Manoa are number four and number five in expected WOBA against since August 21st. Uh, number four and five out of 103 pitchers with 100 plus batted balls in that span. Um, so, you know, you, you have to love that one-two punch. Um, we, we did talk about Robbie Ray and the, like... The home what, runs. The home runs and me, do you start him game, you know, in the first two games. They ended up, you know, going with him game two. What did you think about that? It's interesting. Um, it's going to be his first time pitching in Toronto since he won the Cy Young there. Um, yeah. Because he couldn't last time due to reasons. Yeah. Um. You could probably figure it out for yourself. But um, I do. I mean, it's it's a very interesting matchup because the home run problem is very real for him, and it's concerning facing a right-handed heavy Blue Jays lineup. Uh, he'll also be facing Kevin Gosman, who had like a three eighty-six BABIP against this year. Uh. Yeah. I'm sure you might. Uh, doesn't look like it's written here, but. Yeah, what was his? What was Kevin Gosman's BABIP? Because it was like one of the top BABIPs like in any qualifying season ever. It was quite high, but I will say, and I know his his um his three sixty three. His average against on ground balls was very high. However, um, I looked. I I was looking at stats out of eighty one pitchers to have four hundred plus batted balls against them this year. I think his line drive rate against was like fifth most, and his sweet sweet spot percentage against yeah. was third most. Yeah, which is it was one of it was either fl- it was one of the one of those two like. Was so like he deserved like a three ten three twenty BABIP against. Yeah, maybe yeah. not a three sixty. Yeah, probably yeah probably not. Um, so he had a th- well, I mean to be fair, his ground ball rate did go down to thirty nine percent. It was at forty two percent last year. Yeah, uh, so you know. I don't think it's completely. Uh, I don't think it's completely bad luck. His, his. Did fi- Fangraphs just add in like separate? Is this just a postseason thing? But I'm looking at Kevin Gosman's Fangraphs page, and it looks like they might have put in like separate columns for playoff games. Oh, that's fun. Because I'm looking at Kevin Gosman, and there's like separate rows highlighted in 2014 with the Orioles, 18 with the Braves, 21 with the Giants, where it's like eight innings pitched, two innings pitched, six innings pitched. Yeah, that has um, to be Like it. no wins above replacement listed, but all other stats other than expected ERA are there. I think I think they're doing because I was looking at I was like, I'm looking at 2021 Kevin Gosman of the Giants and looking at a 0% home run to fly ball ratio and thinking well, that can't be right. Right, yeah, and so Gos- it looks like they did that. That's cool. Gossman has had a he had a forty two point nine percent left on base rate in the playoffs last year. That's tough. Oh dang, yeah, but but yeah, um, yeah, Gossman's had a very interesting year. His FIP was what two three eight or something like that. Yes, uh, exactly his, that. His expected ERA was like three three four. Yep, exactly that. Which is just <laughs> good stuff, Chris. It's it's just like you you rarely ever see that. Usually there's a big correlation, but 
having like a full run apart is pretty wild, especially when the numbers are that low. Um, but I don't know. That's that's more, you know, for another for another day. Robbie Ray, though, as we talked about, last five starts. You know, he's game two starter for the Mariners. Eight home runs in his last five starts. That's in 27th and a third innings pitched. That's 2.6 homers per nine in his last five starts. 5.27 ERA, 5.89 FIP. So not the best, although I looked at, I, I expected the Blue Jays to have better numbers against lefties, but they actually slug worse against lefties. Huh. Not significantly. It's like a six-point difference, but I okay. expected with like yeah, Bichette, yeah. Springer, Vlad, Ver, Vladdy Jr. Yeah. I expected them to... Teoscar Hernandez. Teoscar Hernandez. I expected them to absolutely hammer lefties, but I guess that's just not the case. Interesting. Um, and yeah, Ray, I think, does a little worse against righties. Um, so, so there's that. Um, Luis Castillo's going game one, though. What do you he think is. about that? I think it's going to be a pitcher's duel tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. between Castillo and Manoa, um, I really like I really like what we're going to see on the mound tomorrow. I think there's a good chance we see, like, a 2-1, 3-2 game. You right. know, probably come, coming down to the bullpens. Yeah, 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 100%. 100%. Um, and I think also, like, you know, the Blue Jays pitching staff, they're not going to be facing... Um, you know, an upper tier offense also. So, but the Mariners, Mariners are going to have to face a, yeah. a very good offense. Um, there. I'm excited to see Julio. Like, I think he, I think he could have a really cool moment tomorrow if he does something big in this series. Yes, a hundred percent. I'm looking forward to a fully packed Rogers Center, man. Yes. Yep. That's, it's been too that's long. Ta- that is facts. It is. It's been too long since we've had yeah. playoff baseball at um, the Rogers Center. This team also definitely did not have postseason experience in 2020. The Blue Jays, this is this yeah, is their no, first time. It, it, we're on an equal playing field with playoff experience here, as far as I'm concerned. I yeah, I agree there, except for you know the people that came in. Except for like Gosman and yeah. like Carlos Santana. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, uh, Luis Castillo. Yeah, no, no, I'm Lu- not counting Luis, Luis Castillo. Castillo. <laughs> I'm not like if Jesse Winker was not on the IL, I wouldn't count that either. Yeah, same with Eugenio Suarez. Luis Castillo is going from pitching in an empty Truist Park to, to a, a full, full Rogers, Rogers Center. Center. That's his playoff experience. <laughs> yeah, no, like the Tomahawk Chop still playing, just nobody there. <laughs> that was such a weird vibe. Yeah, no, yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> um, yeah, this is a tough one to predict. A tough one to it predict. is a tough one. I I really like the Mariners in a game three. I just don't know which of the first two they take. Right. Because I think Logan Gilbert has a lot of potential to set himself up as a big game pitcher, especially going against. I, I don't love the Blue Jays pitching depth. Exactly. What I will say is if, if this is a five-game series, I'm taking the Mariners. Yeah, I, I would absolutely do that. Three game, though, it's a lot different. Like, you know, if it comes down to game three, it's going to be – Gilbert versus either uh, Jose Barrios or Ross Stripling. Yeah. And Barrios has struggled this year, but he's still, you know, a big name. Stripling's been pretty under the radar this year, but, you know, is that the guy you want in a do-or-die game? I don't know. Yeah. Either way, short leash. However, yeah, I think I think my prediction's got to be either Blue Jays in two or Mariners in three. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a, that's, a good, um, that's a good point. I mean, yeah, you, you <sighs> mentioned... Anyway. Tomorrow, uh, Friday is going to be a good pitcher's duel. Luis yeah. Castillo coming in. Um, with a series like this, with the 
with just so many factors. I mean, you got to break it down. Like, I, I like the Mariners bullpen a lot more. I like. The, I do too. I like the Mariners, or I like the Mariners pitching starting pitching depth more. But I, I'll take the first two starters of the Blue Jays better, which that's more important in a series like this. But I also don't think it's that crazy of a gap. Like I think the gap would be would be even shorter if they put Kirby in game two. True. And then, uh, and then offense, I'll obviously take Blue Jays, and when it's and uh, and then manager wise, I don't know. This John Schneider guy seems like he's decent. I don't he's, know. He sounds like he knows what he's. Yeah, it feels <laughs> like it's a non-factor for now. Yeah. It could be a factor, but I'm not considering it right now. Yeah. Um, with a series like this, I gotta, um, I I just gotta favor the home team. That's fair. Because like, it's it's the Rogers Center, and it's all three games. And yeah, I'll take Blue Jays in two. Okay, I'll go Mariners in three just to be on the opposite side. That's good. Uh, you know, I mentioned the pitching staff or the pitching duel that we we could see tomorrow. And if it comes down to bullpens, I like the Mariners better. Yeah. And then you know, game three, I'll give game two to the to the Blue Jays. What I could see is Friday. It's it is a pitcher's duel, like you mentioned. It's you know each each pitcher maybe gives up one run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. It goes to the bullpens. You know, I, I do like the Mariners bullpen more, but I see like Blue Jays walk it off. Yeah, it's game two, and they have some dramatic postseason moments. Yes, like you know, twenty fifteen. Obviously, there was the Batista bat flip and that the whole comeback in that seventh inning there. Twenty sixteen, they walked off to sweep the number one team in the American League. Also, Edwin Encarnacion in the wild card yep. game. Also, can we disagree that the twenty sixteen Rangers weren't real? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Have you looked like their run differential that year? I know that I don't like using run differential, but for a team that led had the best record in the American League, you just had Sam Dyson out there in your biggest moment. Get yeah, exactly. Here. Like, no, I, I'm not recognizing you. So, um, so yeah, I me, see. Hold on, I me, see game one being team. very close, and then I could see game two, like you know, ran- a, <laughs> the Rangers. <laughs> so they went 95 and 67 in 2016 for the best record in the AL. Do you want to guess what their Pythagorean win loss was? Was it like eighty five and seventy seven? It was eighty two and eighty. <laughs> no way. It was. They had seven sixty five <laughs> runs scored, seven fifty seven allowed. They had a plus eight run differential. Yeah, that's crazy. The best record in the American League. <laughs> Anyways, like I was saying, that team was fake. Yeah, fake team. Um, <laughs> Mickey got, Mouse and they got AL, they got yeah. swept as a one seed. They got swept as a one seed. Yeah, which sucks for them. Um, so I could see I could see a very close Blue Jays victory in Game One. Crowd goes crazy, and then I think Game Two is more convincing. Game Two is more convincing. Like maybe Robbie Ray, he goes out. It's like four innings, three earned runs, maybe a couple solo homers. Gosman, you know, maybe, maybe a walk and then a homer, or like a hit leading to a homer. Yeah, Gosman, maybe you know, five six innings, one run, and you know, Blue Jays win that game like five to two or something like that. Yeah. I could I could see that if I if I'm looking at my uh, what's it called the your your crystal ball my crystal ball yeah I was gonna say globe but that wasn't the <laughs> that right that doesn't make thank any you, sense thank you for assisting me yeah um the alley oop now we go to uh the last series what will end up being the 8 p.m. game on Friday um as there's literally no West Coast games yeah everything is. Everything is Missouri and east of that. Yeah. That is very true. Missouri's west of Ohio, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, we'll get the geography out 
uh, yeah. later. Geography Twitter's so mad listening to this. Yeah, they 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 want us banned. <laughs> Get him out of the chat. Um, yeah, Mets Padres. You know, a lot of a lot of stars in this series. Yeah, a lot of big names. Padres won the season series four to two. They outscored the Mets thirty six to twenty three. Kind of significant there. The series happened in early June and late July. Um, what are you thinking coming into the series? So there's one thing. So I wrote a, I did a quick TV piece about like previewing these series. Yeah. And I was, you know, talking about Mets Padres, and you, you know, when you have a hunch about something and you turn out to be more right than you could have imagined. Yeah. So I was thinking, you know, like Juan Soto's coming back to City Field. I'm pretty sure he like plays well in that ballpark. Do you want to guess what his career OPS is? At City Field. Yeah, thirty games played. Um, I'm gonna like. Uh, ten fifty eight. Eleven seventy three. Yeah. <laughs> Eleven seventy three OPS. That's crazy. In thirty games played, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's pretty wild. That's that's a factor. Um, if we're talking trends here, so. I guess the Mets have had a sort of a struggle period where they lost the NL East. Mm-hmm. And I will acknowledge they did underperform. But they, in that stretch, they went 16 and 13. And in that same stretch, the Padres had a worse record. Yes. They were 15 and 14. Uh, the Padres also have been under 500 since June 17th. They have a 48 and 49 record. Um, so, yeah, even with, you know, the big trade deadline for them, you know, it's just they've been. Yeah, they yeah. just haven't really looked like they haven't looked like a non-playoff team. But they haven't really looked like a playoff team as of late. This is another team like the Phillies that I think they have a very high ceiling, but they could also just underperform it so easily. Yeah, you know, like Manny Machado and Juan Soto in the same offense is lethal. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you don't have Tatis, but you know, there's plenty of replacements in that lineup. Like you know, Jay Cronenworth can be solid for them. Trent Grisham. Uh, is this going to be Trent Grisham's first, like, real playoff experience since the 2019 game? Yeah, first was... Because 2020 crowd. also didn't count for them, sadly. Yeah, I mean, I guess they, they, they played, played two series. Six games in front of no crowds. Yeah. Um, That's true. The Padres have been to the playoffs twice, and we've still never seen playoff Petco. Um, which is so wrong. Yeah. Because they right. played in, what... Uh, well, I guess they did play in Petco, but it was empty. Um, for the Cardinal series. Oh yeah, they did. Um, and then they went to Texas to lose to the Dodgers in three. Yep. 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 Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. I mean, there's obviously big names the Padres, but I don't know. I feel like with the Mets, like I think a lot of people are poo pooing right, them right now because like. You know, the whole narrative's like, ah, yeah. oh, they had a ten and a half game lead and they lost it. They're on the downswing. It's L O I think a lot of people are trying to force an L O L Mets narrative when there's yeah. not an L O L Mets narrative. This team won a hundred one games. They have Max Scherzer, they have Jacob deGrom, they have an offense that are all having like career years right now. Yes. Uh with you know, Jeff McNeil Brandon Nimmo. Jeff McNeil just won the batting title, but also had, you know, some power this year. Brandon Nimmo was looking great i mean he just had a what six for eight day with two home runs yep. it was against the nationals but you know no who cares he's he's been looking 
good the whole year. Francisco Lindor was like what a seven win player, six point eight. Yeah, six point yeah, eight. He he had the season that we were all hoping for. Yeah, he had, he he looked like the guy that got paid three hundred forty million dollars. Um, what else? I mean, Pete Alonso still solid. Yeah, Pete Alonso, a, a forty home run guy. What did he have like he didn't he lead the league in RBIs or something? <clears throat> yeah. I don't know. I don't look at that stuff. We would we would never I have no idea. I we heard <laughs> I heard some stuff. People were talking about his MVP case because of his RBI. I just yeah. know that. Yeah, I mem yeah, I memorized Gosman's FIP and expected the era, right. but I, I could not I could not recount Pete Alonso's <laughs> He RBI. probably had like, I don't know, a hundred something, yeah, whatever. Maybe, maybe he had like two hundred thousand million, I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> that it's that that uh that video of Joe Biden where he's like five hundred million trillion. <laughs> yeah. Whatever that is. But the point is, the Mets are a really good team. Yeah. And 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 they're they're gonna sweep this Padres team. And it's, wow. And it's just not. Wow. It's just it's just the the Padres have been meh this whole time, and I'm I, I got I'm getting like for a team that's only been to the playoffs what once. In you the didn't last, even you didn't even get into all the notes. I I no I didn't, but. <laughs> I'll get into them later, <laughs> but uh, you know I, I don't want to get on my soapbox here. But the Padres, we've been like they've for a team that's been to the playoffs what once in the last fifteen plus years, fifteen plus years. years I'm already tired of them <laughs> because you know at the trade deadline it was like Juan Soto they got Juan Soto they got Josh Bell are they going to compete with the Dodgers for the for the NLS and it's like and the Dodgers just kept sweeping them and sweeping them they ran out of brooms they were sweeping them so much and I don't know I'm just maybe it's an emotional pick with me picking the Mets for a sweep and i know the mets can lol mets themselves out of <laughs> into a sweep where they get swept by the padres but you know it's just i don't know i'm, I'm a little tired of this uh padres team so blake snell in the second half <laughs> he's their game two starter but he know. is their game two starter going against probably Degrom, who's struggled in his last couple of starts oh should we get into that thing about maybe him not starting is that a thing it's been it's been a thing i don't know if um it, not injury related. It was a thing of like, oh, they might save him. You can't do that, man. <laughs> you can't do that. I just don't know about that. He's TBD. It's TBD right now. Is it for game two? Yeah. I don't know if it's a thing where like, oh, if the Mets win, they're going to go with Bassett. And if they lose, you know, it's an elimination game. They'll go with DeGrom. You have to, uh, I guess, uh, saving it for game three, sure. But like, think about the 2019 Dodgers. Like, they threw away game four of the NLCS and did a bullpen game so that they can just throw Walker Buehler out there for game five. And what did they do? They lost. Yeah. Like, you can't... I get that this is a bit of a different scenario where you want to save DeGrom for a possible game one of the DS versus the Dodgers, but you got to beat the Padres first, man. Like, you can't you can't save DeGrom. You got to throw him out there. Like, especially if you're expecting him to opt out this year and ask for $50 million a year. Yeah. Like, you got to let him prove that. Yeah, and I mean, like, let's say, so so hypothetically, they move on, they face the Dodgers starting Tuesday. Mm-hmm. If if they go Scherzer to Grom back to back, then Scherzer, then okay, Scherzer, it's Bassett Scherzer, game one, Scherzer game yeah. two, then Degrom game literally, three. and Scherzer, and that's such an easy game too. Degrom game three at home against what like Tyler Anderson, right? And if it goes seven, you 
Scherzer and DeGrom both are able to go Well, twice. it wouldn't go seven because it'd be the division series. Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's the second playoff series, man. Yeah. Got me. Got it, that's fair. But, I mean, Scherzer could go. Yeah. Scherzer could go game five, and then you could go DeGrom game one of the CS, and it's all back to order. Yeah. And, it, you know, yeah. It's, yeah, it's you, just... You can't... You gotta throw DeGrom game two, man. Especially if you lose game one. Exactly. So, um, maybe that's the thing, is it's TBD because they're just wondering, like, all right, well, if it's game... If they they're just, they just told DeGrom and Bassett, like, hey, bo- do you want to just both prepare for the start tomorrow? Yeah. And then, you know... But even still, like, you, I think you just still gotta... You gotta go all out. Like, you can't just take your foot off the pedal there. Yeah, no. Like, like I like if it if it's Snell versus Bassett, I'll probably take the Padres that game, especially because, like you put in the notes, Snell in the second half, fourteen starts, seventy eight innings pitched, a two point one nine ERA, two point two three FIP, thirty four percent strikeout rate, six percent walk rate, second in MLB pitcher F four, fifth in ERA, third in FIP. He's been a top five starter in the second half, no doubt about it. You Darvish has also been solid for the Padres down the stretch. Yeah, I'm getting the exact numbers pulled up now, um, but he's you know the Padres like we're seeing the rotation that we've expected for a while now, and it's yeah. gone pretty quiet. Right, right, um, and then uh, since June seventh. <clears throat> And Joe Musgrove very underrated as well. Joe Musgrove has been. He's he and got extended. He, he's probably going to be a, a game three starter if, if that over, happens. Over over Darvish's last twenty starts, he is a two six eight ERA and a three twenty five FIP, one hundred forty nine strikeouts and twenty two walks in one hundred thirty four in a third innings pitch. That is outstanding. Seventeen home runs allowed. Obviously not great, but whatever. You know, it's seventeen and one hundred thirty four innings pitch is still not outrageously bad. Yeah. 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 Um. So yeah, the Mets are fifty-four and twenty-seven at home. Very, very good. Um, Padres forty-five and thirty-six on the road. Um, which I think is better than their home record. If yeah, because then it they doesn't would have, make any sense. They would have forty-four uh, wins yes. at home. Yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, which is weird. Because I don't know, the, just the idea of just the Padres and those gray uniforms just coming into City Field and like, and just coming in and, and taking hey, it. Hey man, the last time the Mets were in the playoffs, they got they got booted by Connor Gillespie. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. Like Connor Gillespie is an I haven't heard that name in years draft nominee. That's true. That's true. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I believe in the Mets in this series. Okay. Uh, what do you got? You were so passionate against the Padres that I kind of want to pick them, but I also agree with you. Yeah. Like, not to the same degree, but I think the Mets are the better team here, and I think home field advantage at City Field is going to matter so much. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld is probably going to be there. Yeah, Jerry Seinfeld <laughs> will be there. Timmy Trumpet will probably be back. Yeah. Why not? Um, I'm going to go Mets in three. I'm not as passionate about the Padres and yeah. their misfortune as you are, but I will still pick the Mets in this series. I was, yeah, I was lost in the rant, and I, you know, I did forget <laughs> a little bit about the Blake Snell numbers, <laughs> but still, emotionally, I'm taking Mets in two because yeah. you know, there's more, there's more to this than <laughs> starting was, pitching. It was just so funny how every series you were like, "All right, predictions, what do we got?" And midway through your end, you're like, "And the Mets are going to sweep this series <laughs> against the Padres." <laughs> yeah, well, you know, and Blake Snell has been doing well, but. So there is, is there is more yeah there is more to the the series than than starting pitching and I like I like the Mets offense more I like the Mets bullpen situation more um, and 
I like Scherzer and DeGrom better than, than Darvish and Snell. That's fair. Um, and both of them have postseason experience. Snell, do you count? Yeah. It, yeah. It's only been – or oh, no, he pitched in 2019 too. So Snell has postseason, ex- postseason experience and Darvish does too. So, you know, some experienced guys. But, yeah, I'll take yeah. the Mets. Mets in two. Indeed. And you so. will take Mets in three. Before um, we before we wrap up, um, did you see Stephen Vogt homering in his last at bat? Yeah, that was cool. It was the I don't know if you saw this too, but his first career hit was a home run, and it was like virtually the same spot, like the same like right. exit velocity, launch angle, like pitch was in the same location, like it was very identical. It was very yeah. cool. Yeah, we uh, yeah that was that was very cool to see uh, a a thing where you're like, yeah, you got you got to love like social media because like. Dallas Brayton also nailed the call with uh, Glenn Kuyper, I believe his name is, play by play. But Dallas was got so hype, which is funny. And yeah, just beautiful. Yeah, we yeah we love him on the call. I mean, it it was fun when the A's were good because Dallas Brayton was great to listen to. Yeah, um, <coughs> I'll never forget that. I think it was the Matt Olson walk off home run game against the Astros in twenty eighteen. There was like that controversial play at the plate. That the A's got the benefit of the doubt on. And then Olsen won that game. And, like, for a second, there was, like, a real thought of, like, could the A's steal the AL West division? Right, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, Obviously, yeah. it didn't happen that way, but that was a fun era in Oakland. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. So, that does it for the playoff uh, playoff prediction portion. Yep. Um, but, yeah, we do have to get to one last thing. Um, you know, a very sad thing for a lot of community, a, a lot of communities, just the baseball community, baseball stats slash sabermetric community, and you know, above replacement radio, uh, Sarah Langs, who you know was a guest not long ago, maybe six, seven weeks ago, um, who had a great like 35 minute interview with us, uh, episode 202, if you haven't checked it out yet, um, you know just great stuff uh she announced on twitter um that she has uh als um and you know she's been diagnosed with it it's uh yeah it, she's someone who's i think in her young thir- or early 30s um it's it's been uh it's been really sad to think about it's it's been a really tough day uh yeah. you know like it ha- like i've had a lot of time to process the news I think I saw it around like probably eleven thirty, maybe twelve this afternoon. We're now approaching midnight, and like this hasn't gotten any easier. Um, like, there's really nothing that can prepare you for that news because there's just so much that hits you. You know, it's it's knowing that a person has this, knowing what we've understood about this disease for however long, especially as baseball fans, because you know. ALS is very intertwined with baseball history. Obviously, it's Lou Gehrig's disease. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's devastating. It's a terrible thing because I think you mentioned it's it's extremely random, like you know, with with like you know lung cancer, you can be like, oh, you know, this person smoked a lot, or with heart disease, like maybe they lived an unhealthy lifestyle. With ALS, it's it's just you we don't know the causes of it and it's just 
completely by chance and it's very unfair it's unfair is the word like there's just there's no justice in the world if someone like sarah langs has to undergo stuff like this you know als is it just comes and go it just chooses who wants to who wants to infect and yeah it chose the wrong person this time because you know i think i speak for not just you and i but pretty much everyone who that's in saying that like we're better people in having known her, even if it was just for one interview conversation, whether it was, you know, a 35 minute interview, or if you've known her for years, talked to her on several occasions. Like, I think she has blessed every single person that she's talked to or have, have known, you know, the outpouring of support I've seen on Twitter has been really heartwarming today. It's been like one of the things that's been keeping me going through all this because you and I have obviously been really big fans of Sarah for a long time. Yeah. And we've mostly known her through her work. Yeah. And it's cool to see that we're not alone in that. You know, I saw a lot of tweets saying like I've really only seen your work, but like you've always put a smile on my face and like best of luck with everything. Yeah, ev- everything is completely positive. I mean, just looking at her social media feed, um it's so much positivity and it's been you know, it's kept being like that. She's probably been diagnosed with this disease for a long time now and you wouldn't be able to tell that you know the vibe you know vibes are good we had a we had a full-on interview where she probably knew she had als and uh and it was completely fine she was seemed happy to talk to us um so yeah i mean you know in terms of you hate you hate to have it her have als but we know she's just you know gonna ride on and be positive all the way through yeah i mean like she you know i'm sure you read her statement in full um and like part of it was like you know she said like i'm still me i'm still gonna do my thing during the postseason yeah you know it'll be like nothing else um i do want to read the last thing that she wrote in her statement Mm -hmm. uh it was like four paragraphs long the last one was all i ask is that you consider giving others grace not me but the next person you encounter where something seems amiss, you never know what others are dealing with. Trust me. And I think there's a lot of like sayings and phrases out there that get thrown a lot around a lot that can be deemed cliche at times. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, the phrase, you never know what someone's going through does get thrown around a lot, but it can never be cliche. Like it's, yeah. it's just as true the first time you hear it as it is the 300th time you hear it because yeah. You really do truly never know. Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So yeah, we'll um, unfortunately have to end on that. Um, but our, you know, yeah, our thoughts and prayers are with Sarah, her loved yeah. ones, everyone that that sh- uh, she's gotten to know. Um, it's been hard for us, and I'm sure it's been hard for everybody else. Yeah, yeah. Positive thoughts for uh, Sarah Langs and. Um, her future with this and um, obviously a thank you to for all her work and you know her work with us uh, for that for that interview um, over the over the past years so yeah that'll do it for this installment of of above replacement radio Um, if you want to follow us on social media follow me on twitter at chris underscore gianta follow daniel on both twitter and instagram at daniel underscore current and follow the show instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Um, We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we hope to see you next time 
where we will probably be talking about the upcoming division series. We will see you then. Yeah. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.